0: Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host. Welcome today. It's Tuesday, but it's Tuesday in May, and you know, uh, there's just something about springtime. I absolutely love this time of the year. Things start to warm up. Of course, it gets a little too warm down here in New Orleans, uh, but you know, it's festival season. That's what springtime means to me. The festivals are just so much fun. It's so much fun to gather with family, with friends, outside, enjoying nature, enjoying lots of times good music, good food. Uh, The Festivals are always a treat. It's kind of like going on vacation to Disney World, except you're closer to home and it's not as expensive, you know? And uh, every year, this time of the year, in early April, actually, we kick off the festival season with the French Quarter Fest in New Orleans. And that is is referred to as world famous. It's re- referred to as uh, the world's largest uh, jazz brunch. And it's amazing. You have musical acts from all over the world who come there and, and people who travel from all over the world to take part in French Quarter Fest. Festival. And we follow that just a couple of weeks later with Jazz Fest, which again another phenomenal, world famous um, festival that we have down in in New Orleans. But that's not it. Not just big name festivals. We have church parish festivals all across South Louisiana in the springtime. Uh, festivals that benefit uh, church parishes. They benefit uh, Catholic schools, and and it's a, a tremendous opportunity for families to come together and to build community. Right? Because that's what the the church ultimately really is. It's the family of God. And so we come together that way. And I tell you that uh, among all the festivals that happen in South Louisiana during the springtime, my favorite festival is coming up this weekend. It's always Memorial Day weekend, and it is the Greek festival in New Orleans, uh, Greek Fest NOLA. Uh, for NOLA's New Orleans, Louisiana. GreekFestNOLA.com is the website. And uh, my family and I, I mean, we've, we've been going to Greek Fest every year since my wife and I were dating. And uh, my wife is of Lebanese descent. And so the food and the music are so similar to what I know from from her Lebanese family. And uh, it is just a treat to be there every year. You know, uh, with the Orthodox Church so close, we're so close, uh, the Catholics and the Orthodox, are so much that binds us together. So much more that binds us together than that separates us. It is always just a treat to, to celebrate good times, good weather, good food, good music with the Greek Orthodox in New Orleans. And the amazing thing about that. That's the oldest Greek Orthodox church in the United States. 150 years uh, as of last year, I believe. Uh, The Greek Orthodox Holy Trinity Cathedral in New Orleans. So uh, I have uh, Greek Fest on my mind. I have uh, my, my Orthodox brothers and sisters on my mind. And so what do I do? I had to reach out to my friend. He's not Greek, but he is Orthodox and he is a foodie. Father Peter Preble, welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show.
1: Jeff, thanks. It's nice to be with you here.
0: You know, Father Peter, I, I, I can't help. I, I, when I think about you, I think back. I don't know when it was. I'm terrible with time. It, it could have been 2010. It could have been 2000, 2009. I don't recall, but I remember you reaching out to me. I think on Facebook, and uh, you, you saying, you know, saying that you love the whole concept, the idea of the Catholic foodie, and uh, and that you're Orthodox, and you had thought about doing something like the Orthodox foodie. Do you remember that?
1: I do. I do remember that. And it's still, you know, it's something I've been playing with the idea in my head. And, and sometimes, you know, on my own website, I throw out recipes every once in a while. But but, you know, there is such a connection between food and faith. I mean, you talk about it in the Catholic context and it is so much there in the Orthodox context, not just from a festival standpoint, although that's part of it. It's a celebration of food and faith right there at the at the festival every year. So it, it's so wrapped up, I think, in in faith as as a whole. That, you know, it really is part of what we do. It is. And, you know, I wanted to to introduce you to everyone that,
0: you know, you have a a website. FatherPeterPreble.com is uh, the website, Shepherd of Souls and uh, a radio show. You're you're an author. Uh, You have a lot going on. You want to tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Well, I, I really don't know where to start. I'm I'm a parish priest in uh, Southbridge, Massachusetts, which is um, really in the center of the state, right down on the Connecticut border. Uh, I've been here for uh, I'm just finishing up my 11th year. Uh, we're a small Romanian Orthodox uh, parish, uh, but here, right in our area, we have a, a Greek parish not too far away. We have an Albanian parish not too far away, and so we're kind of we're we're getting ready for our our festival season here. Our uh, the Albanian festival here in town is the first one at the end of June, and then uh, we sort of move rapidly through them. Uh, after that, through the through the summertime, you know, unlike you down there in New Orleans, summer comes to us a little bit late. Although it it, it, <laughs> it, it has suddenly warmed up here, I think we went right from winter into summer. Uh, but today's kind of a cloudy, overcast, rainy day. But uh, but we're getting ready, and uh, so so I've been here uh, now for uh, like I said, uh, 11 years. I do have a a rather large footprint online, I guess you could say, uh, with the the website that you mentioned and uh, and the radio program, which started off as a uh, as a podcast a few years ago, and and I was doing it every now and again, and it got picked up by one radio station and then by another and by another, and I think now we're on five six stations around New England, so it's really kind wow. of, uh, uh, but but as you know, uh, as one who does this, you now have to sort of be very faithful to it, and uh, oh yeah. <laughs> You can't just decide one day. Well, I'm not going to do a podcast week. Wait until next week. So, it it really is a calling, and uh, it's a labor of love uh, in a in a lot of ways. And I and I bring some of the uh, food and and faith things into it as well from time to time as we move through our. We have very distinct in orthodoxy. We have very distinct fasting and non fasting seasons, and uh, so I usually bring those in as we approach those times.
0: That's right. I had the pleasure, um, golly, we're going back uh, probably two or three years now of um, speaking at an event in Steubenville uh, at the University, Franciscan University up there, and there were a, a couple of folks who were joining me on the speakers panel who were Orthodox, and it just so happened that it was it was during Lent, and uh, I remember having some some really uh, awesome conversations with them about the difference, you know, then there's a, a pretty big difference between the the, the observance of, of Lent between the Catholics and the, uh, the Orthodox, um, pretty strict, huh? I mean, on the, the fasting.
1: Yeah, we are, uh, for, for actually more days than not, we are vegan, uh, pretty much no meat, no dairy. Um, it, we say really anything with a spine, <laughs> uh, oddly enough, though, shellfish, uh, is allowed lobster, uh, shrimp, scallops, all of that is allowed, uh, at certain times during the year. Uh, we normally fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, uh, during, during the course of the year, and uh, as I'm looking at the calendar here, we're getting ready to go into another fast period uh, shortly. Uh, in June, we start what we call the Apostles' Fast, which begins and ends um, at the Feast of Peter and Paul on 29th of June. So we have that uh, fast in the, in the beginning of the summer. We have one in August for uh, for Mary for the Theotokos that comes up that that ends. Actually, it ends the day before our festival. Works out well on the calendar that way. And, uh, and of course then we also have a fast period during Advent or what we would call Christmas Lent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is the, really the same as it is during the spring Lenten season or the Lent prior to Easter. Uh, it's, it's not as strict though, but, uh, but as you mentioned, the Lenten fast that we follow is, is very strict and it's very hard, but it's done. It's supposed to be, it's not supposed to be easy.
0: Right. And, and do you find, how do you, how does that, um, help do you think, uh, overall in our approach to, uh, the good things in life?
1: Well, I think the whole idea behind it is it, it helps us in a way to rein in the the other passions of our life. And uh, the church fathers talk about the that the food we eat is the sort of the one thing that we have control over. You know, we have control over what we put in our mouth and what we don't put in our mouth. And by getting that part of it under control, the idea is, is that the other things will also then um fall into play so so we have control over not only what we put in our mouth but we have control over what comes out of our mouth and so it's during these times uh, of the of the fast in the church that we're really focused on those parts of our lives. So for following it, the, the, I don't want to say the right way versus the wrong way, because in my spiritual mind, if you're doing anything during that period, you're doing it the right way. But if you if you follow the strict course of the fast and along with the prayer that goes along with it, because those, those two things go together right? right. Uh, and it all works to the glory of God and it all works to bring us closer on our walk, on our spiritual journey. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because
0: you look back in history, and I mean the Catholic Church, we we had we were very strict with the the fasting as well for for a long long time, and it, it seems that uh, in in recent uh, in recent times, the last hundred years or so, uh, things have have um, uh, slackened up some. Um, but it, it it is funny because from time to time when I'm interviewed on on the radio, I've had interviewers kind of challenge me. You know, it's like here you are, the Catholic foodie. It's like, well what about fasting? You know, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, you know I mean? You can't, you know, you can't, you can't be feasting all the time. I mean, the, if you're feasting all the time, then it loses its meaning. You know, the, sure. if, if feasting becomes the standard, the, the norm, the norm, then, then what kind of celebration is there? So you absolutely have to have that time of fasting, that time of, of stepping back. And, uh, and, but it is a challenge, you know, and I know that, um, in my own life, um, when, 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 you're trying to, I mean, our faith means something, right? And it really does cost something. And I'm, I'm privileged to have been uh, a missionary. I was in Mexico for two years uh, working with the poor and I've been able to travel and to, to, to go to different countries and to do mission work in different, in Honduras as an example. Uh, and so I've seen um, what the faith's Faith can cost us uh, to live. But sometimes in America where we have everything at the tips of our fingers, it can be kind of challenging sometimes, you know. So that's uh, definitely I think fasting is a way that we can choose to feel that, that, that pinch, if you will, um, and help to realize that, Hey, this, this is real, you know, this is real. And, and we need to, uh, to, to put effort and and practice into that. But Father Peter, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, a lot of things here today. We've got a lot on the menu at the Catholic foodie show, but we're getting very close to
1: a break here. So again, before we go to break, where can people find you online? You can go to fatherpeterpreble.com, or if that's too confusing, you can do shepherdofsouls.com. That's a little bit easier. It takes you right to the same place.
0: Perfect. And we're going to be back in just a minute. We're taking a break. Uh, This is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. Here on Real Life Radio. So glad that you're with us today. And uh, I'm very happy to have my friend, Father Peter Preble with us uh, talking uh, food and faith. Uh, He is an Orthodox priest and uh, something of a foodie as well. And just uh, such a thrill to have you here today, Father Peter. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's great to um, you know be with you sort of in this kind of environment and and having this discussion. You know we've had some sort of virtual discussions, but this is this is good. I'm I'm really enjoying this the time.
0: And I think that, you know, and I say this a lot um, in talking to, 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 it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, <laughs> Catholic, non-Catholic, whatever, is that food is a great equalizer. You know, food is really common ground because we all have to eat. And in uh, food typically, I mean, it's something that brings people, just from a, a basic human uh, perspective, it brings people together. Whether it's family, friends, strangers, it doesn't matter. I mean, food really does bring us together. And it's a wonderful place. I have found in the, in the work that I do online, uh, As the Catholic foodie, I have found that um, it's a wonderful door opener. I mean, people are are, uh, typically not thrown off by the fact that I am the Catholic foodie. And, uh, I've, I've had conversations with folks from all different walks of life uh, on a regular basis. And it's, it's fantastic that we can meet there and in some small way, you know, hopefully I'm able to to plant seeds here and there, you know, but it's not, uh, the goal of the Catholic foodie isn't to, uh, to catechize in the sense of, or, or proselytize, I guess that's the term, right? right? The goal of the Catholic foodie is simply to, to be a place where I can provide inspiration, to provide encouragement, to, uh, to, families uh, particularly to to get it back in the kitchen and get around the table to grow in faith together as a family around the table and uh, and to talk to, to talk of food I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to be here and smile and have fun and open the door and
1: welcome people
0: you know do you find that food uh, has that same kind of effect in, in any of the work that you do
1: I think it absolutely does. I mean, one of the biggest ministries that we have here in the, in the parish that I'm serving is, is we do a twice a month community meal where we welcome in our neighbors and, and others to come and just break bread with us, uh, around a table. And we've been doing this now for uh, a little over five years. And, uh, uh, our numbers go up and down and, and it's, it's, it's people from all walks of life. It really is kind of that slice of life. If you want to think about it, you know, the, the, the town here, it's an, it's an old new England mill town. And once the mill closed, there really wasn't anything to really to keep the people here and it's economically depressed and, and, you know, and sort of all of those things and the the, the face of the community has really changed. And it's one way to to sort of bring us all together. And, and again, just like what you were saying, we don't use it to proselytize. We don't use it. You know, we've, we've had, I don't think we have anybody who's come to the meal that's actually come to church, but interestingly (laughs) enough, they'll, they'll ask me to pray for them. They'll, uh, if they're having surgery or, you know, something going on in their life. Uh, So, so it comes in, but it's not coming from us. It's coming organically from them uh, that, that this is happening. And, and it is really, it's that basic thing that we do. We all have to eat. And, and so we all come together and we sit around the common table and, and all of that, stuff just kind of gets stripped away. And, and we, we just, we just have this kind of love fest, I guess you will, you know, around the table. And, and I get that image of the early church that, that that's what they did. You know, they, they went to temple and, and then they went to somebody's house and they, mm-hmm. and they had a meal. And, and I, I, I think of it you know you take sort of take the walk through the gospel and you see where a lot of the miracles that Jesus performed had to do with food that's right and you know, and there was always sort of food involved he was at someone's house having a meal it, you know it was just kind of food was a very very huge part of his ministry and i think it was because it's that basic thing where we all can come together No matter what our background is, what our socioeconomic level is, whatever, uh, we're we're all the same when we're sitting around that table. And and I think that's the beauty of sort of what we try to do.
0: Yeah. And I think when you look back in the Old Testament, this is the the beautiful thing to me that... um, God, I like to say God, you know, he's our creator. He made us. He has the instruction book. You know, he knows what works for us and, uh, and we would do well to listen to him. And, and you look back in the Old Testament, you see how food plays such an incredible role in the story of salvation history. I mean, everything from the fact that it was, um, uh, you know, the, the, if you, if you read Genesis as a story, how did sin enter the world, into the world through an act of eating, you know, and, and, and you read John chapter six, when Jesus is talking about the bread of life, he's talking about, uh, the Eucharist. And what does he do? He says, you know, he who eats my flesh and drinks, my blood has eternal life. We see that salvation comes through an act of eating, but in between genesis and john what do we see we see these covenant meals these covenants that god makes with his people and i mean the the passover meal obviously is the the the, the best example of that where god is he's feeding his people he in the desert he's providing food for them and so again and again and again we see how we come together. It's not just the food, and it's not just really the eating. It's like we're feeding our souls at the same time, and uh, and and that we need, I think, today as families to kind of keep that in mind. It's so easy to go through the drive-through. It's so easy to eat on the run or to eat alone. But right. God says, "Hey, no, no, no. You know, coming together is important. Being around a table, I think, is important. Looking at each other in the eyes and in the face is important, and really sharing of our ourselves around a table is important and that's something that uh that's all within our reach it's not too complicated or complex doesn't matter the table doesn't have to be at you know we have some really nice restaurants down in new orleans like commander's palace which you know you'll spend a lot of money going there doesn't have to be a commander's palace <laughs> you know, it could be at uh, at a coffee shop but just that whole act of coming together is so so vital today i think
1: and and I think that plays into what we were talking about before the break about uh, fasting and, and both the Orthodox and the Catholic context and how it, it seems that in our sort of 90 mile an hour, 20th century world that we live in, it gets harder and harder to do this. And I think part of it is it's that breakdown in the coming around the common table. We yeah. don't gather like we used to. We don't uh, even in my own family. I mean, we don't gather like we did when when I was growing up, you know, and those, those times when we get together are getting fewer and fewer and fewer. So it it gets harder to do this because we are going through the drive-through because it's easy and we're, we're running from one thing to the next. So I'll just go through here and I'll grab this or I'll go to this restaurant and I'll grab that. And so the, the, our whole concept of then of the fast and abstinence starts to break down. And so as we see society change, these things just kind of change along with it.
0: Yeah. Is there any way of getting off the merry-go-round? I mean, I wonder that all the time.
1: <laughs> I think it just takes someone putting their, you know, the, to use the merry-go-round analogy to, to put your foot down and stop it. Yeah. And, I think like you said we're we're not too far away from it we we just gather the family together and get around that table but make the conscious effort to do it even if it's once a week Sunday after church go to someone's house go to a restaurant I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody's house go to a restaurant you know and 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 gather around the table and and you know we were talking about f- the the food part of it but the faith part of it comes in where the discussions that happen around the oh, table Oh yeah you know, sometimes it, you know, there's those two things—religion and politics. You're not supposed to talk about in a group, but <laughs> but inevitably that's where it turns, and and so that's where those conversations and those sort of intimate moments of sharing happen across the table with each other, and and I think that's as a society that's what we're missing. I think so, and and, and I was thinking uh, the other day,
0: uh, reading a book, and I can't recall which one it was uh, at the moment, but talking about how, you know, not everybody can take a 30-day retreat or a, a seven-day retreat or something like that to, to detach themselves from daily life and to kind of get perspective, but we can all spend time daily in prayer, which is, you know, it can be like a little mini retreat, and uh, I know that you have recently uh, written a book on prayer, and uh, you, you, you talk about prayer prayer on uh, the Shepherd of Souls, you want to maybe give us a little background on uh, your book and and what you have to offer in your radio show.
1: Well, so I wrote, I wrote this book called Listening to the Heartbeat of God, and it really comes from the image of the Last Supper, uh, where you see the Apostle John reclining against Jesus. And, and the image comes from the fact that as John was pressing his ear against the chest of Christ, he was listening to God's heartbeat. Mm. And, and so the prayer comes from that, that it all stems from that listening that we need to do, that we need to have this focus on listening, which is what prayer is. I think we've turned prayer into this laundry list of things that we quickly <laughs> throw at God. And just as God's getting ready to speak, we hang the phone up and we move on oh, to something yeah. <laughs> else. Don't spend those few minutes. And, and 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 when I talk about prayer, when I teach people about prayer, you know, you know I, I think sometimes we have this image that we have to spend hours and hours and hours a day in prayer. And that's not necessarily true. I'm more of a, of a quality guy than I am a quantity guy. If you only have five minutes, but it's a quality five minutes, that's better than nothing. Right. And, and that we grow from there. So the idea behind the book is it, it's introduces uh, the, the reader to sort of the ancient kind of, uh, form of prayer, obviously coming from the, the Orthodox standpoint, the, the tagline is how to enter into the ancient Orthodox life of prayer. And so I, I sort of weave a lot of things into it to include the, the concept of spiritual fatherhood. Uh, that's, that's very big sort of an Orthodoxy and, and I should, the caveat is it's not just spiritual father, it's spiritual parenting. So it's right. there, cause there's some great spiritual mothers out there as well. Um, and so, and how we need this guide and, and i look at it from very much from the celtic standpoint of the of the soul friend or the guide not mm. i don't I, I kind of bristle at the term spiritual direction because i don't really direct people but we're kind of on this journey together but but it's all about that getting back to the basics of our prayer life and and how it's not just this quick throwing up all of these, uh, these things, you know, to God. And, and, and then I also talk about sort of liturgical prayer and, right. and how, you know, saying those memorized prayers that we learned as children, there's nothing wrong with that in the context of our greater prayer life. It helps us focus, uh, you know, using icons or statues or whatever it is you need to kind of focus your attention Um because it's all of those things are important. So that's, that's sort of the, uh, to, to use the phrase from the book, that's the heartbeat of the book is, uh-huh. um, uh, but it's called listening to the heartbeat of God. Oh, it's beautiful! You know that
0: uh, every year at the Greek Fest, one of the things I just absolutely love to do. And we're we're running up onto a break here, but uh, one of the things that I love to do is to go into the church and to 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 just pray and to to look at the icons. Just absolutely gorgeous. Maybe we could talk more about icons after the break. But um, uh, we are. let just go ahead and take that break now. It's uh, you're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host. I'm so glad that you are here, and I am so glad that my friend Father Peter Preble is with me today, an Orthodox priest talking with me today about food and faith, uh, Father Peter. We were talking over the break about um, you know some of the, the 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 traditions of the Orthodox Church and and uh, and the Catholic Church, and I was telling you that I've I'm I feel privileged because I've I've been exposed to a number of the the Eastern Catholic rites, and it's it's funny because I think a lot a lot of folks in the uh, in America, the United States, a lot of Catholics really have no idea that they're, if I'm not mistaken, it's 24 or 26. I always get the numbers confused, but something like 24, 26 different Eastern Catholic rites, R I T E S, that make up the Catholic Church, 100% Catholic. They have their own traditions. Many, many of those rites have married clergy. Uh, it's just been part of their tradition from the very early, early centuries of the church, um, and, and it seems very different to us in America. But, but it, it's, it, they're one hundred percent, one hundred percent Catholic, one hundred percent in union with the Church of Rome. But they have their own traditions, and a lot of those traditions, and a lot of the, the liturgies are very, very similar to the Eastern Orthodox uh, liturgies. It's just beautiful with the, the focus on icons. And, uh, and, and just, a, a, a I mean, it was, a, um, a whole new experience for me to walk into a, an Orthodox church, uh, versus a Catholic church. You, you get a, a very distinct feeling there with the, with the, the, the icons and the, the candles and the chant and, and all the beautiful things that make up the Eastern liturgies. But you had, you had mentioned that, uh you know there's a challenge you know, we all have a challenge because life is so busy today that sometimes these great liturgical celebrations that we have you know it, it's it's a challenge to us to try to actually celebrate them
1: it really is in the, in the in the places where orthodoxy has come from here to America and this is our challenge here in America is that the church was so much a part of The culture, the, you know, it was the state church in a lot of places. And so it really was a huge part of, of just kind of daily life. And uh, I mean, I mean, in, in, in Romania, there's even in the capital in Bucharest, there's, there's a church on almost every corner. And it's open all the time. And there's, there's always somebody there. There's always people in praying or uh, there's not always a service going on, but the churches are open. And, and even under sort of under the communist system, they were still there. They were hidden in some ways, they would build a building in front of it. So you really couldn't see it, but it was, but it was still available. And, and I think we've kind of lost that uh, perspective here uh, in America where now, I mean, the, parish i serve here we've started our fifth generation and so it truly is what i call an american church and the church is much different here in america and it needs to be the american experience is much different and and so it needs to sort of adapt i I shy away from that word change because those of us in the church we don't we don't like that word yeah (laughs) so so we call it adapting we don't call it changing we call it adapting Our surrounding, you know. I, I mean I think I mentioned to you during the break that we don't as Orthodox, we don't have that sort of concept of daily liturgical life. A monastery would, but the parish church doesn't have that. We obviously uh, Saturday evening for vespers and Sunday morning for liturgy, and then uh, the feast days that sort of pop up during the year, we would celebrate those. Uh, but the numbers of people who come have really fallen. Even in sort of my tenure here, that the numbers have fallen off as to the, the people who are able to come uh, to those celebrations. They're working; uh, they're not days off, uh, and and so it it just gets harder, and the community gets older and it just gets harder and harder for people to you know be able to uh to attend. And so we we then lose kind of that structure of the church. Right. It, the, the orthodox theologians will say if you if you attend every service for a year in an orthodox church, you get all the theology of the church just in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're missing pieces of it. It's like, I like to say, it's like watching a mini series and you skip the middle two, uh, <laughs> the middle two episodes. You watch the beginning and the end, but you missed that stuff in the middle. And that's where all the good stuff happens is right, right. there in the middle. And and so we kind of miss that. And, and so we've become disjointed in a way and separated from it in a lot of ways. And, and, and maybe it's for good, maybe it's for bad. I don't know. Um, I think it's yet to be seen. We're still sort of very young here, uh, in America as a church and, um, so I'm not sure where we're still very much an immigrant church. Uh, the, the, the latest Pew research information put us at 0.6%, uh, or 0. 0.06, I think, percent of the population. We're less than 1% wow. of
0: yeah.
1: the population in America. Uh, so it's, and we're still very much, uh, in a lot of ways, an immigrant church.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of folks are talking about that Pew, uh, research, uh, right now. Um, yeah, I think it said as, as far as the Catholics go for every, every one new Catholic that comes into the church, six leave, you know, and I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it does have to do with, uh, relevancy, mm-hmm. you know, it, it I think a, in a, in a, in a, in a country, in a, in a culture where, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have almost everything at our fingertips at the same time, we're very distracted and we're, we're very, we're driven, you know, right. um, I, I think economically, uh, families are strained when I mean, we see this, we see, you just look around, you know, a lot of times families, uh, both spouses work in sometimes multiple jobs. Um, there's no wonder why you have, you know, family dinner becomes a difficult, thing to do, you know, Uh, kids with their activities and whatnot. So you have a lot of disintegration happening just inside of individuals and, and families. And I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, it's so important to, to do what we can, you know, even if it's spending just a little bit of time in prayer every day, uh, that it's a step in the right direction,
1: Right. you know, Absolutely. that,
0: that we need to be, uh, you know, plugged into God, but also plugged into the church. Uh, we need to be plugged into community, you know, to, to other people. We, we certainly can't do this, uh, on our own. You know, we, uh, we're talking about uh, food and faith and you had said something earlier about, uh, we we're talking about prayer and, and your book. And I, I was wondering if, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. You, were, you had said that even five minutes, right? Even five minutes um, can, can be a good thing. And I was trying to explain to someone the other day that with prayer, you know, a lot of times I have, I have very high expectations. <laughs> You know, and so I want to spend all this time in prayer and I want to, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get at, and I, and I don't even have words really to explain this, but it's almost like for me, the most important thing is to really make a genuine connection with God rather than the amount of time spent that is there even a, a do you know what I'm driving at? Is there like a, a term for this of really make, not just going through the rote prayer necessarily, but even if I am using road prayer to somehow make a real connection, maybe mindfulness or something like that, what do you think?
1: I think some of it um, we can get from the the founder of Opus Dei who talked about uh, the sanctification of the daily or the sanctification of the ordinary, Mm -hmm. where if you're a chef, if you're bagging groceries at the supermarket, if you're a plumber or doctor, whatever it is, that you are the best that you can be because that brings glory to God. And then your life becomes prayer. Right. At that point, the way we just sort of live our life out. I, I talk a lot about how uh, orthodoxy is not a denomination. It's not a religion. It's a lifestyle. You know right. I mean? Especially when you start looking at the, on the, on the calendar, the fast days of the pink days, which is I always find odd because pink reminds me of meat, but it's the day. <laughs> we, so I always say the pink days, you know, we focus on the pink days and, based on that number. I mean, it really is, it, it, it requires you to really change your, your life. It, 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 it's a lifestyle change. And, and when someone looks at us, do they say, well, there's a Christian or are we hiding it? Are we keeping it? Is it something that we just do for that 45 minutes to an hour on Sunday or Saturday night or whenever it is that we go to church, you know? Um, but it, it has to be more than that. It has to sort of ooze from our pores, if you will. And, and you know, I like to ask people how many people when they go out to dinner, we'll pray before they eat. (laughs) I don't, sometimes I don't do it. I mean, it's, you know, and here I am a priest and sometimes I don't even do it. And, uh, but sometimes I think we're afraid of that witness. Now I'm not saying jump up, throw your hands over your head, you know, you know, start yelling out things, but make a scene. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But even taking that moment just to, you know, center and be thankful for what, for, for what we have. But, but I, but I think the whole idea of the sanctifying of the ordinary is just that is that, Our life should become prayer. You know, St. Paul talks about uh, unceasing prayer. And we talk about this as an orthodox concept. I mentioned this in the book about the Jesus prayer, which is the sort of the prayer of the heart. And it becomes this thing in a computer term that's sort of always running in the background Mm. that it, it just becomes so much a part of us that we're praying and we're praying almost unconsciously. But then our life becomes the prayer. And and this is you know uh, the the monk's job is to is to be doing this. So there's the liturgical prayer life you know of the day. I mean, Saint Benedict talks about um, you know the aura at labora, right. and uh, you know I, I, some Benedictine friends of mine say aura at labora, at labora, at labora. At labora. <laughs> 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 right. Look sometimes in prayer. But but, the, but Benedict's whole idea behind that was that the two start to become one at some point, and our work becomes prayer. You know, and, and that's actually, I mean, that's the definition of liturgy, right? Isn't it? It's the work right. of the people. It's, yeah. you know, it's prayer, but it's also, it's work at the same time. And so I think if I'm understanding your question or, or or your, where you're trying to go with this, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say is that there's a way to do it that our entire life then becomes prayer. It becomes prayer.
0: Right. Right. It's beautiful. It's challenging, you know, uh, of taking the time and making, making the, uh, you know, making room, making room in our lives for, for God and that awareness of God. And, you know, I love, uh, I love that I have so many different images that come to mind, uh, <laughs> come to mind when I think of like prayer and cooking, you know, right. uh, brother Lawrence, uh, wrote a, there's a, was the practice of the presence of God, I believe is the book that, uh, pretty, pretty. Well-known book, I think uh, Brother Lawrence had written, and uh, it, it's a classic, spiritual classic, and it's just so simple. It makes everything just so simple, and I always feel like life is not so simple, you know. Um, I, I did spend two years in a uh, in a Benedictine monastery, uh, actually a seminary that's attached to it, but uh, I'll have to tell you a little bit more about that. After the break, we got to take a break here. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show right here on Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic. Show here on Real Life Radio. I'm Jeff Young, your host. We're talking today with Father Peter Preble, a friend of mine who is an Orthodox priest way up there in the north. You know, where are you at, uh, Father Peter? Southbridge, Massachusetts. Man, I'm down here in uh, balmy New Orleans. <laughs> and, uh, but the two things, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about today and the two, you know, something that we both have in common, we love to cook. We do. And, uh, matter of fact, tomorrow I will be cooking. Um, I'm uh, cooking for a deanery meeting. A bunch of priests and deacons uh, will be meeting, um, and our my, my parish is hosting that that meeting. They asked me to uh, to cook for it, so I'm, I've been you working. Know, I worked on a little menu. I'll be doing uh, some hummus, of course. All the, all these things come from my cookbook uh, that came out in November. Uh, Around the table with the Catholic foodie, Middle Eastern cuisine. So it's all Middle Eastern. We're gonna do. Um, hummus and, and pita and we've got some pickled vegetables that'll be on the table just for a little snacking there before uh, before we actually serve the entree and uh, we're doing a Greek salad which you know maybe in honor of, of Greek fast I don't know I just yeah. love Greek salads and kalamata olives are so good and feta cheese I just couldn't help myself and uh, then we're going to do a traditionally prepared uh, kafta which is uh, kind of a mix of, of ground lamb and beef uh, that's seasoned with some of your, your standard kind of Middle Eastern seasonings. It's going to have uh, some cumin and some allspice in there. And knowing me, being down in Louisiana, I'm going to add some cayenne. And uh, we grill that. It's on skewers and it's grilled. And uh, then we, we take that and lay it over a, cro- over a bed of uh, rice pilaf. And we're going to have a spiced date cake for dessert with some really strong coffee. And I hope everybody will be happy.
1: Well, now you've made me hungry.
0: <laughs> well, it's kind of lunchtime ish. <laughs>
1: right. Well, the good thing about cooking for a group of priests is they're very forgiving people. So.
0: That's right; they have to be, right? <laughs> 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 they, they have to be. Well, I know that you do a lot of cooking too. You want to? I know you. You mentioned the community meals that you do. Who does the cooking
1: for that? I do the cooking. Oh I'm wow! Yeah. I'm I'm the, the chief chef. I I do get some help from time to time, but but I do it's it's it, I I do enjoy it. I I I do the menu planning, the shopping, uh the preparing. I don't clean up. I have a crew that cleans up. Wow. Uh, and That's awesome. uh, I've been known to use every <laughs> pot, pan, utensil. <laughs> Cook so uh, it's it's quite a uh, it's quite a need to, to, to clean up but uh, but I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it I get a lot of enjoyment out of trying new things um, mm-hmm. I, I but I never try the new thing on someone without you know trying it on myself first oh, so yeah. right uh, you know because you you you, you want to make sure it's it, it's even though they're forgiving you want to make sure that it's good oh absolutely uh, and so we we do a variety of things here but I'm cooking for. Between sixty-five and seventy people, so I'm really limited in in some ways in what financially we can do okay, um, yeah. too. You know, I mean, cooking steak for seventy people would be nice, but <laughs> pretty expensive. Pretty a yearly budget in one meal. So, um, but that's but see, therein lies the challenge. The challenge is is to create a meal that's nutritious, that tastes good, that's different. So it's a different variety but that's relatively inexpensive. So that's where it, the sort of the challenge comes in and, and through the winter months here anyways, it's a little harder because there's not a lot of uh, things at the, at the garden stands, which all, which, which all shut down sort of in the fall. Um, but uh, so we tend to buy things, you know, kind of as I like to say on the economy, which is a little bit more expensive. Right. Uh, so the menu does change, but now that we're coming into the sort of, um, you know the the freshness season, things are a little bit things are a little bit better. and And we're lucky we we have a, a partnership with the local food bank., uh, so we get some produce from them uh, from time to time, which works out well.
0: You know, I, um, when I was 18, I, I left, uh, left home and, and went to, uh, uh, to join Mother Teresa's priests in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. I was there for two years in formation with them. And uh, it, it was funny, you know, we had 50 guys from 12 different nations. And just by virtue of the fact that I was from Louisiana, they assumed that I knew how to cook, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I mean, I loved, I loved cooking. And, and even when I was, I mean, I think I started cooking pizzas. I love pizzas. And I sort of making pizzas when I was about uh, 10 or 11 and, uh, you know, it expanded my repertoire as I got a little older, but I was, you know, 18 years old. I mean, I I was still young. I didn't have like this extensive uh, repertoire, but they put me in charge of one of the cooking teams. We had four teams that would rotate every uh, weekend and we had a cook during the week uh, who came in to cook for us. And all we had to do was reheat or heat up the, uh, whatever she prepared for, uh, for dinner. Uh, But, but yeah, that was uh, a really interesting experience because I'm cooking for 50 people. Um, whenever I had dish duty, which, you know, we had to rotate that too. I felt like I was working off a lot of purgatory, you know, (laughs) cleaning all those dishes. And, uh, and I remember when I returned home and my mom and dad were all excited because here I am, I'm coming back and I have all these, you know, recipes, these things that I can cook. And so they, they, uh, you know, of course opened the kitchen to me, but the then they became kind of alarmed because the, the, the amount of food I was cooking, I mean, I could not scale it down. So I'm cooking like these huge, huge meals and, and we'd eat on them for like two weeks. <laughs> it was just too much. So scaling is definitely, uh, definitely a challenge. I'm very fortunate to have my wife who is, who's excellent with numbers. And so she can always help me to, uh, you know, okay, we don't need 60 pounds of meat. We only need, you know, <laughs> only need like Right. 20, you know, uh, something like that. So very helpful. Do you find, I mean, is for you, is it is cooking something that, I mean, it's a community, uh, it can be if you have people in the kitchen with you cooking, but it can also be a very prayerful experience, huh?
1: It, it is. I, I think it's, you know, as, as I'm, as I'm in the kitchen and I'm, and I'm preparing the food that we're going to serve, I'm, I'm mindful of those who will be coming through the door. Um, you know, there is a very, very different, feel to what we do. It's not a, it's not a soup kitchen. We it's a, it's the, that's why we call it a community meal. It's the meal is plated and served to people. And, and the people who come are our guests. We're welcoming them into our house, if you will. And so I'm very mindful of those who will be coming. And it's almost as if I'm, I'm praying for them as I'm preparing the food uh, that they will eat. So uh, we don't say grace per se at the beginning of the meal. Um, Cause I say it's really already been prayed over as it's prepared. And and in a way it really is. And uh, so I'm, I'm just kind of mindful of, you know, uh, of who will be there and, and hoping that, that we do nourish their soul as well as we nourish their, their body. Uh, It really is that kind of uh, duality, if you will, of, of what we do.
0: That's right. And and,
1: and speaking of nourishing
0: the soul, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about shepherd of souls, uh, the radio show.
1: Well, it's kind of an offshoot of what I do on, on my website or my blog. It's, uh, um, actually this week is my 200th episode. Oh, wow. So Congratulations. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Thank you. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it should have happened a while ago, but I said, I said at the beginning, it's been this on again, off again, uh, thing, but, but episode 200 coming up and it, it's kind of a, a, a really eclectic mix of things from time to time. And and most recently it's been usually it's either my entire sermon from the previous Sunday or snippets of that. And then there's some uh, form of teaching that, I, uh, that I'll do either on prayer or I've been doing a lot about uh, writing a lot recently about spiritual resiliency and how we can be resilient in our spiritual life. And and uh, so I've been talking about that for a while, but, but it's kind of a, a a continuation or an offshoot, if you will, of, of this idea we talked about earlier about being a soul friend and how, uh, you know, I want to be a guide with people and for people and people don't always have the opportunity to come and sit with a, you know, a, a spiritual parent for however long uh, the sessions to use that word would be. so. So my my goal is, is that through the writing I do on the on my website, which I also there's a part of it's a newspaper column uh, in a couple of local newspapers all under the same, it's like, I, I, I joke and I say, I have the shepherd of souls empire and <laughs> <laughs> I've got the written and the spoken. I just need a TV show now and I'll be ready to go. That's and, uh, right. I, I was disappointed. I didn't get the call to take over for letterman, but you know, maybe next <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> so, so the common theme through all that though is spirituality. It's, it's our spiritual life and, and how really to be attuned to that and, uh, and where it all comes from and how we can do it. And the challenge, of being spiritual in our daily life. And because it really is a challenge. It really is. It's in our society that we live in that calls us to be something completely different, we are definitely being countercultural, and that's what we're called to be. Yeah, I think slowing down is a big part of that, huh? Absolutely. You need that time, you need that. And, and that's why, you know, there's, there's this whole theory of spiritual, I'm spiritual but not religious. And mm. although I can appreciate that a bit, there, there's something about you, we need community. We're communal right. beings right. as humans, anyways, and and there's that there's that even if it's even if it's that once a week for 45 minutes or an hour. Remember, we talked about the 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 quality, not the quantity, and um, you know it's that it's that time to slow down. It's that there's a part of the uh, one of the prayers we say just before communion is uh, let us lay aside all the earthly cares of life that we may be received by the King of all. Mm-hmm. And so when we come into the church and you talked about that coming into an Orthodox church and the feeling of it is that we leave our earthly life behind us. We take our, our cares and concerns in prayer with us to church, but that we leave the life, those distractions of things outside the door. They'll All be right. there. Trust me. They'll be there when we come back out. Um, but, but that's the idea. And so for that 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half, however long it is, we're able to focus solely on on God, on our spiritual life, getting our our, our spiritual tune up. We talk about the church being the hospital, and so we're getting our our, our little tune up every week that, that will ho- hopefully get us through that. And that's the when we talk about communion being the medicine that we receive. And, and hopefully that gives us the strength that we need to get through those bumps that are going to come oh, yeah. in life the week ahead of us.
0: <laughs> that is beautiful, beautiful. And uh, and Father Peter, thank you so much uh, for joining me today here on the Catholic Foodie Show. This has been a real treat. Um, again, let, let folks know where they can find you.
1: Easiest way is shepherdofsouls.com
0: shepherd It has been a treat. I will see you, uh, online. I know that, uh, we're connected there via Facebook and, and Twitter. And, uh, it's been a, a joy to talk with you today.
1: It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you were, uh, we were able to connect. And uh, this is
0: the end today of the Catholic Foodie Show. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, you know, c- c- take, a, take a look at the GoFundMe campaign we have, uh, Real Life Appeal. It's slash Real Life Appeal for the app improvements we need to make to the Real Life Radio app. Uh, and again, we'll see you tomorrow. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, signing off. Thank you.